After acknowledging a special recall election is likely imminent, the governor continued a full-throated defense of himself, his administration, and his decision-making during the pandemic. We're going to fight it. And, and it's not, you know, it's, sure, it's about the governor, but it's also about you. It's about our values. It's about what we hold dear. Oh, our values, like not getting COVID, staying alive, and democracy? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Those are some of my values. I got the feeling that something right. How about yours? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Uh, In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Bird and Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of your friendly neighborhood Bradcast. Glad to have you here. Uh, Well, Republicans appear to be having trouble Winning elections the old-fashioned way these days, you know, with voters voting and then the person who wins the most votes wins the election. Uh, It's one of the reasons why we saw the Donald Trump incited attack on the U.S. Capitol in January, which we may talk a bit more about later today, though I would like to open the phones, if I can, to some calls, if possible, a little bit later. If you'd like to write the number down right now, it's 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. If you'd like to talk about that or about the Democrats' move toward reforming the filibuster in order to get anything including a long-overdue election reform bill uh, called H.R. 1, the For the People Act, actually passed in the U.S. Senate, where Republicans are blocking quite literally everything on the Democrats' agenda now, because that's how they roll, the uh, Republicans do, now that Democrats are in the majority. Or if you want to talk about accountability for Donald Trump, as we've been discussing of late on this program, I've got some new news on uh, some more potential criminal liability he may have at the federal level. Um, 
Maybe I'll get to that later in the show or later this week. Uh, or if you have comments in response to my very special guest who will be joining us momentarily on a completely different topic uh, that we haven't been discussing much lately here, but we should. Republicans losing elections is also why they have introduced more than 250 new voter suppression measures in state houses in more than 40 states since the beginning of this year, hoping to, among other things, put serious curbs on the ability of voters to use vote-by-mail options or to vote early now that the Democrats used vote-by-mail options and voted early in very big numbers during the 2020 presidential election. For the record, Republicans used to love vote-by-mail when more Republicans than Democrats use the convenient way for people to cast votes and avoid things like long lines created by other obstructionist suppression practices often enacted by Republicans at the polls on Election Day. But of course, here in California, where both the state legislature and governor's mansion is currently controlled by Democrats and where Democratic voter registrations now outnumber Republicans across the state almost two to one, according to new voter registration statistics announced by California's new Democratic Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, on uh, on Friday uh, here uh, in California. Changing voting laws to make them more restrictive is not going to work for Republicans. So they're taking another tack. They've got another idea of how to undermine the will of the people. By now, you have probably heard that there is a move afoot in the Golden State, and it looks like it is likely to be successful to hold a recall election against the state's Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom. It is not clear what the ostensible reason is for recalling Newsom other than he's a Democrat and Republicans don't care for the restrictions that he has imposed to try and get control of the worst pandemic the world has seen in 100 years. The official website for the recall campaign lists more than 50 reasons for uh, this recall of Gavin Newsom, complaining about taxes, restrictions on guns, immigration complaints, allowing voters to vote by mail during the pandemic. Apparently, that's one of the reasons he needs to be recalled. You know, the usual list of of Republican complaints against Democratic policies, in truth. Nothing particularly different from the policies of past Democratic governors like Jerry Brown who was ultimately replaced by Newsom after Brown termed out in 2018. But in case there is any question about who the folks really are behind this recall effort, a story by the San Francisco Chronicle over the weekend made that answer uh, pretty clear, I believe, probably clearer than ever. And they did so uh, at a moment when hate crimes in uh, in the U.S. against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders has itself become an epidemic in this country, as much discussed in the days following the mass murders at three different spas in Atlanta last week, in which eight were killed, including six Asian American women. The Chronicle reports organizers of the campaign to recall Gavin Newsom have repeatedly called the coronavirus a, quote, Chinese virus over the past year, echoing rhetoric that Asian-American leaders say has fueled racist attitudes and violence. 
On its official recall website, the recall campaign referred to the virus as the Communist Chinese Party or CCP virus. And political operatives who have worked on the effort have used similar language. The language appeared among a list of reasons to recall Newsom, along with an apparent reference to immigrant-owned businesses that have received stimulus money during the pandemic. Quote, one of the reasons uh, that uh, Governor Newsom should be recalled, according to the campaign, quote, funding illegal alien, illegal alien owned businesses in the amount of 50 million dollars because California received federal funding for the Communist Chinese Party virus. That was one of the uh, reasons uh, on the website to recall Gavin Newsom. Recall organizers said on Sunday night that they planned to remove the reference, now that they have been called out for it, Randy Economy, a spokesperson for the recall committee, said the campaign apologizes, quote, if anybody was offended by it. So the non-apology apology. There you go. That's exactly. You can spot him a mile away, <laughs> Desi Doyen. Well done. Uh, Economy said our, our campaign is not about dividing Californians. It's about uniting California by removing this divisive governor. What do you think? You buying that? I'm not buying it at all. I mean, it's of course, they knew that that phrase was racist and considered racist by the Asian-American community, and they chose to use it anyway until they were caught and they got some bad publicity for it. Asian-American leaders say the surge of violence and harassment targeting their community in the Bay Area, this is, remember, this is San Francisco Chronicle, uh, and across the country, has been exacerbated by references by former President Donald Trump and others to COVID-19 as the, quote, China virus. Cynthia Choi, co-founder of Stop AAPI Hate, an advocacy group for Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, said this is the racist rhetoric that is directly responsible for the surge in anti-Asian harassment, verbal harassment and physical attacks. Stop AAPI Hate has documented nearly 3,800 hate incidents against Asian Americans since the start of the pandemic, including beatings and, yes, killings. The reference to China isn't the only one that has appeared on the Recall's campaign website. As recently as June, the same page about reasons to recall Newsom said California had, quote, the highest gas tax in our nation, before the Chinese coronavirus. That reference was later scrubbed for some reason, according to an archived version of the site. Stephen Frank, a Republican consultant and blogger who was a media relations coordinator for the recall, called the virus the, quote, Wuhan flu in several of his tweets. Last summer, Frank posted an article about the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans in which he seemed to be belittling the concerns of the attacks on Asian Americans, writing, quote, yes, it is wrong to bully or abuse anyone, but what is being done is small potatoes. A little here, a little there. Frank said he stands by his comments, but he is no longer listed on the recall campaign's website. And their spokesperson, Randy Economy, claims the recall effort has, quote, no association with him now. Now, Robin Emerson McRae, the recall's chief financial officer, has also made references to the Chinese flu and the Chinese virus 
In Facebook posts, Economy said, quote, personal comments that people make on Facebook posts are not a direct reflection of the campaign's stance. So exactly what is a direct reflection if it's not the stuff that is written on their actual web page, said by their actual advisors, repeated by their actual financial officers? And yes, uh, Tom Del Beccaro, according to The Chronicle, the former chair of the California Republican Party, he called the coronavirus the CCP virus, referencing the Chinese Communist Party, in opinion pieces posted last year on the far-right Epoch Times website. Del uh, Bacaro, or Basaro, I guess, uh, chairs two political committees, Rescue California and California Revival. Those two committees have bankrolled the recall, though he is now said to be no longer part of the official campaign. So in case there was any questions, that is who is behind this campaign to remove a duly elected Democratic governor right now in California. And so far, the campaign looks to be on track for success. Yes, it looks like this is happening at least as far as getting a recall election scheduled. Organizers of the, of the effort to uh, recall Newsom announced last Thursday that they had submitted 2.1 million signatures. That far exceeds the 1.5 million that would be needed to get the recall question on the ballot. Newsom has acknowledged that the recall is likely to make the ballot and said that he is, quote, taking it seriously. The progressive governor has now enlisted the help of influential Democrats like Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren for his defense and to help raise money to defeat the recall attempt. Democrats plan to spend well over $100 million to defend the governor's seat, making this likely to be the biggest election in the nation this year in 2021. The well-funded statewide signature-gathering regime uh, has been very successful. Republicans have honed such campaigns to gather signatures for years to get various issues on the ballot here in the state by hook or yes by crook, as we have seen in recent years when unsavory characters have gathered signatures supposedly for initiatives like um, a ballot measure to cure cancer in children, only to then use those signatures to change voter registration forms from Democratic to Republican to collect on bounties paid by Republican operatives in California to sign up Republican voters. Of the signatures now submitted to date for the recall effort, 64% of them are Republican, 25% are said to be unaffiliated, and just 9% are from Democrats. The signatures will now go to 59 county elections officials for verification. And then California Secretary of State Shirley Weber has until May 9 to determine if the recall officially has the required number of signatures. But it sure looks like it does. Voters will then have time to remove their name from the petition before the signatures are officially certified in mid-September. At that point, we will also know when the special election will be scheduled. All of that, rather than facing uh, Newsom in the normal way at a normal election in 2022, when Governor Newsom would presumably face voters in a normal election to seek a second term. If the effort is successful, 
As voters may remember from the Republicans' successful effort to recall and replace Democratic Governor Gray Davis with Arnold Schwarzenegger back in 2003, there will be two questions on the recall ballot. The question as to whether or not, uh, as well as uh, whether or not to uh, recall, as well as who If that first question, uh, if they decide, yes, we want to recall him, as the second question will be who voters want to replace the governor with on the very same ballot. Republicans are hopeful that this could be their best chance to retake the governorship in a state where Democrats far outnumber Republicans, at least in normal elections. Alabama's former Democratic governor, Don Siegelman, knows a thing or two about Republican efforts to remove Democratic governors from office by hook or by crook when they can't be defeated in normal elections. We've covered Don Siegelman's case here on the Bradcast and at Bradblog.com. Now, for many years, you may recall that he was sentenced to seven years in federal prison for what more than 100 uh, former uh, state attorneys general, both Democratic and Republicans, have described in a petition to the federal government as something that had never even been considered a crime before Don Siegelman was charged with it. A bribery charge in which Siegelman did not actually personally benefit in any way, not by one dime. In a case during the George W. Bush years that was marred with federal prosecutorial misconduct tied to Karl Rove and Siegelman's Republican predecessor in office, Republican Governor Bob Riley, uh, that many, including us, had cited when characterizing Siegelman as little more than a political prisoner targeted by the Bush administration and Republicans in Alabama at the time as he was once seen as having presidential aspirations. He was a very popular governor, after all, from a southern state. And the only person in the history of the now deep red, deep deep south state to have actually served in all four of the top statewide elected offices in Alabama, from secretary of state to attorney general to lieutenant governor and then finally to governor at least until he was taken down by a dubious election in which ballots were found to have been changed in the middle of the night on a Diebold optical scan tabulator, and a prosecution was ginned up against the governor with coached witnesses and dubious evidence, as detailed in Siegelman's recently published book, Stealing Our Democracy, How the Political Assassination of a Governor Threatens Our Nation. The former governor, who served the state until 2003, was the last Democrat to hold that position. He finished serving his time at the Oakdale Federal Facility in Louisiana after he was charged on this uh, trumped-up bribery scheme. He was released in 2017. He remained on supervised probation until June of 2019 before going on to write his book. When we last spoke to the former governor on this program, I think it was almost a year ago, he was fighting to improve conditions at the Oakdale Federal Facility and other federal prisons where the coronavirus pandemic was taking a deadly toll on those serving time in cramped quarters where masking was rare and social distancing often impossible. Well, Governor Siegelman called me late last week to leave a message suggesting that he was, let's say, hopping mad about what Republicans now appear to be doing 
to Governor Newsom here in California. And as noted, he's uh, someone who knows a thing or two about partisan efforts to take down Democratic governors through extra Democratic measures, if that's the right uh, term for it. Joining us now is Alabama's former governor, Don Siegelman. Mr. Siegelman, Governor Siegelman, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm glad to be with you at Desi today. Thank you. Um, we're, we're I'd d- like to ju- I'd like to just start by saying, um, yeah, but th- this this recall election is just reeks of politics. It's this it, this is nothing more than a Republican attempt to create turmoil, to rev up its troops, uh, mm-hmm. to you know to try to try to replace Gavin Newsom, who actually is a rising star in the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. who does have uh, some presidential uh, uh, aspirations, but also he he is being looked at as a potential candidate. Um, And this is exactly what they did to Gray Davis. I mean, I know Gray Davis had other issues going on with the budget that, you know, with the the economy had tanked after the uh, 9/11 attacks, and um, you know he was he was uh, was dealing with the rolling blackouts, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was creating a huge problem, political problem for him. Well, behind the scenes, Paul Rove, George W. Bush's uh, uh, Bush's brain, the architect mm-hmm. of the Bush uh, presidency. Uh, called Jeffrey Skilling and said, hey, I'd like for you to consider hiring my friend Ralph Ralph Reed and Grover Norquist, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll come out to California and help, uh, help with this rolling blackout. What they did, they came to California and helped to destroy Gray Davis in the recall election. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it was all about trying to prevent a, a, a Democrat in mm-hmm. California, well, they were hoping to get the 55 electoral votes for, you know, the, the next Republican presidential election. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what's at the heart of this attack on, in my view, on yeah. Gavin Newsom. Yeah. I mean, yes, it is laced with racism. And, you know, I'm coming from Alabama. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm steeped in the, uh, you know, the, the politics of racism starting with george wallace and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, we we i lived through that era where mm-hmm. you know he was raising the confederate battle flag at the state capitol and just a few months later uh four little girls at a birmingham church were were blown to death with a dynamite bomb by yeah. the ku klux klan because they were they felt emboldened by the racist comments of a Southern governor. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger of these people, like those who are organizing the recall of, of Gavin Newsom has serious consequences. And it, 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 yes, on a political front, it has to be taken seriously. Democrats have to, to understand that these people will do anything to try to uh, take over our democracy yep. and doesn't doesn't matter you know what they have to do to to uh well, that, to do it. And that, that's why 
Yeah, no, I, uh, that was, I mean, certainly clear with uh, with Gray Davis and, you know, people refer back to the rolling blackouts and all of that. That was also, uh, you know, set up by Enron at the time, who, you know, was eventually uh, caught uh, doing exactly what it was that ended up leading to the removal of a governor and then the uh, his replacement by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, in your case, uh, Governor, uh, you, you've charged that the cabal that took you down and had you imprisoned on ridiculous charges that, uh, you know, more than 100 bipartisan state AGs said should never have been uh, charged as a crime. Uh, you, you've charged that the cabal went beyond Alabama, that it uh, included Karl Rove and partisan Prosecutors, do you see a, a similarly nationalized effort here in this California, uh, the, this new California recall? Or is this just a matter of California Republicans trying to win the governor's mansion in a state that has become, you know, the only plausible way for them to do it of late, you know, via a recall? I, I don't know where the where the the strings will lead, but mm-hmm. clearly there is a, a, a national, there's national Republican interest in destroying Gavin Newsom. Uh, you know, for, for the reasons we talked about, the, you know, their hope to, to have a recall mm-hmm. successful and to elect a Republican. Uh, the other reason is to destroy Gavin Newsom so he doesn't become a presidential contender. And the third reason is to enliven their troops in hopes of maybe winning some congressional seats. So the, the Republican, the national Republicans are, 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 are in this big time. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's another way of stealing our democracy. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, and you, you started this show talking about the attempts that are being made and, some 45 states, 250 pieces of legislation. And, you know, we went through all this and, and you know, we've gone through it over and over in this country. We, we've just got to fight back this HR, HR one, mm-hmm. the bill you mentioned, uh, which, which would protect the right to vote is something that the Biden administration has, uh, needs to get behind and, yep. and pass with, with or without a filibuster, you know, we've got to, uh, you know, he just needs to get the votes and get it passed and, and let's be done with this. And, you know, Governor, I'm wondering what obviously, uh, you know, one way or another, H.R. 1 or some version of it does need to get passed. And if it you know means re- uh, reforming the filibuster, so be it. But on a on a state level around the country, whether it's here in California or elsewhere, you know, what is the right way for Democrats to respond to these types of hardball tactics? I mean, you know, Republicans will do whatever they have to, even if it's making up, you know, racist claims about a governor in order to to, you know, to move forward with a recall. I mean, you're out there in Alabama where we haven't had a Democratic governor since you served. Should Democrats, for example, in Alabama, should they be playing the same sort of hardball recall games if that's the way Republicans want it? Uh, you know, should should there be a call for a, a recall in Alabama? no. Um, I just, I, you know, I think, you know, we we have to we have to uh, rise above their tactics. We cannot stoop. You know, it's not in us mm-hmm. to to do the kinds of things that we have seen done by the Trump administration or by Donald Trump and by Republicans now in California and other places. 
well, throughout the United States, mm-hmm. they're trying to steal our democracy through, you know, changing election laws. Um, you know, and and you know, we we this this HR one needs to pass in some form or other, and Biden Joe Biden has simply got to find the votes to get it done. Um, again, you know, if he has to run over the Republicans to get it done, so be it. You know, let's let's. Uh, you know, we've got if we get 51 votes, um, then we then we win. Governor, uh, I've got to take a quick break here shortly. And there's a number of other uh, issues that I want to ask you about. Uh, it seems like Alabama has been in, in the news quite a bit of late. But one uh, one more question, one more thought on this recall here in California. If you were to advise Democrats here, and this is a very tricky question. I don't know what the answer is here. Uh, but uh, due to the way our recall laws currently work in California, uh, with the replacement governor's race is included on the same ballot as the recall itself, um, would you advise Democrats to include a plausible Democratic candidate on the ballot in the event that Newsom does lose that recall question? Again, it's two questions. Should the governor be recalled? And the second question if uh, yes to question one, who should replace him? Well, right now, you know, Democrats don't even want to entertain this idea, which means there's going to be a bunch of Republicans on that ballot uh, to replace Newsom and no actual legitimate uh, Democratic alternative in, in, in case uh, Newsom loses. It's a really tough question. Do you have any thoughts on that? How should Democrats play that? Should they put a plausible Democratic candidate on on that list just in case? I, I, my my gut reaction is they have to. Um, I don't. I think. I think there's got you know. But let me say this: I don't think Gavin Newsom is going to. I don't think this effort is going to be successful. There's no comparison between Gavin Newsom and Gray Davis's situation in 2003. I mean, yeah. And and mm. but Democrats have to take it seriously, and they have. We have to beat them at the polls. We yeah. have to get more votes and get people out, just like we did in the presidential election. And uh, you know, people in California have shown that they know how to do that. So let's do it again. They know how to do it during a normal election. We'll see if they know how to do it during a uh, a recall election when Democrats are, uh, you know, historically not great at turning out for things like special elections. Uh, Governor, I, can you stick around for over a break here? I want to ask you a few uh, about a few other topics of note uh, for both the nation and for Alabama. Certainly. Thank you, sir. Speaking with Governor Don Siegelman, uh, his uh, book released, I think, last year, Stealing Our Democracy, How the Political Assassination of a Governor Threatens Our Nation, uh, I believe is also now out on uh, audiobook as well. We'll take a quick break, come back with some questions for him about the union vote going on at uh, Amazon in Atlanta. I'm sorry, in Alabama and much more right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
Cast Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm speaking with Alabama's former Democratic governor, the last one to serve the state from 1999 to 2003, though hopefully not the last one forever in the now theoretically deep red state. Uh, Governor Don Siegelman is with us here. Uh, Governor, uh, by the way, there are a number of uh, other Alabama issues of late that I want to ask you about real quickly. Um, as I said, the state's been in the news in a number of ways of late. But uh, first, I'm assuming you and yours are all OK following the tornado uh, swarm that hit the deep south last week, including Alabama. Yes, we're we're all we were we were fortunate and we the and the state was fortunate as well that the uh, most of the damage was done in in rural communities and there were there were. Uh, minor injuries, so we, mm-hmm. we were very fortunate. G- glad to hear it. Uh, last time uh, I spoke with you on this show, Governor, it was not long after the start of the COVID pandemic, uh, almost a year ago now, and you were very concerned about the conditions in the federal prison uh, where you had been held for five years on those trumped-up charges by Republicans during the Karl Rove years. Um, do, do you know, are, are you still in touch with folks at the Oakdale Federal Facility where you were housed as to whether those uh, dangerous conditions have somehow been improved in what was really a terrifying situation when we last spoke, uh, both at uh, both at Oakdale and at a whole bunch of other federal prisons around the country? Well, the, the conditions have, have not improved, and I hope that I hope that the Biden administration, I hope Joe Biden will put someone in charge of uh, the Federal Bureau of Prisons who uh, wants change and will uh, will change things. So he has an opportunity to make a difference. There are, there's an awful lot that President Biden can do without congressional uh, involvement. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm hopeful that he will take some steps uh, that will, you know, for one, will uh, help hold police accountable when they commit acts of violence against people of color. Uh, It is not uncommon for blacks to be killed at the hands of law enforcement, but it is unusual for law enforcement to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. There there are clear reasons for that. Uh, And prosecutors get 99% of the indictments they seek, uh, which indicates that if they wanted an indictment, they could get it against a police officer. But Unfortunately, police, judges, and prosecutors uh, all wear the same jersey. They all play on the same team. They're all part mm-hmm. of the government's the government's team. So mm-hmm. they they have each other's back. And uh, it is rare for prosecutors to bring charges against the prosecutor. And it it the the reason for that is that grand juries are secret. Grand mm-hmm. juries are held in secret, and there is no judge and no lawyer for the for the victim's family, for example, present. Mm-hmm. No one vordires a grand jury like you do in a normal trial. Normal in the trial, 
jurors are asked questions to see if they have a bias mm -hmm. or if they're related to the the you know one of the one of the parties in a in a grand jury no one asks anyone any questions about their association they in in mm. the Brianna Taylor case um for example for all we know the 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 juror, grand jurors could have all been related somehow to a police officer mm. or to police work or members of the Ku Klux Klan for that matter so we need a we need a lawyer for the victim's family in the grand jury. Mm. Uh, we we also need the lawyer to be able to to present evidence of their own when there are then when there are questions about what should be decided that should go to a judge and a judge should make the decision as to what evidence or testimony is admitted. We do the same thing in a civil trial where. Um, monetary damages are at stake. So it's just a simple due process procedure that needs to be applied in in these cases uh, that would make a tremendous difference. The, the final thing that I want to mention is that because of a 1976 Supreme Court decision and because of the Federal Torts Claims Act, mm -hmm. prosecutors are immune from civil liability, even if they knowingly and willfully present false evidence or false testimony or withhold exculpatory evidence. Mm -hmm. And that's that's got to change. Um, that's why we have had over 150 people exonerated from death row. That's why we've you know, we're 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 seeing so many revelations of prosecutorial misconduct. So we we've just we either Congress has got to get a handle on this. And and I'm hoping that the Biden administration will take the lead in criminal justice reform. Do, do you have confidence that they will? I know that you were at various times frustrated with the Obama administration, that they weren't taking enough action on criminal justice reform, certainly in your case. Do you have uh, do you have confidence uh, in, in Joe Biden that he is progressive enough that he gets this and that there will actually be changes this time around? Yes, I do. I think uh, I think Joe Biden Joe Biden is at a point in his life where he wants to do the right thing. He wants his he's he's writing his own legacy. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, he knows that, and he has hired some really good people, really sharp people. They're they're working hard. I think they're they're you know they certainly are are looking at at all options, and um, you know he owes something to. Um, he owes something back to humanity to take action to ensure that that there are that this that the criminal justice system uh, is conducted fairly and above board. And right now, uh, when we have a Supreme Court decision that says that prosecutors can willfully and intentionally present false evidence or testimony or withhold exculpatory evidence in order to get an indictment or a conviction, that is something that, that should be repudiated by, by President Biden, and uh, he needs to call on Congress to, to change it. 
Uh, very quickly, uh, Governor, I got a, a couple of other uh, points I want to hit with you uh, very quickly before we get to a break. We've, we've also been talking on this program uh, about the, uh, the vote that is now underway by workers at an Amazon facility near Birmingham to uh, unionize <clears throat> the uh, fulfillment uh, center down there. It would be the first Amazon center in the in the nation to unionize. And of course, the company is pushing back hard against that effort. Do you have any thoughts on that? And if, in fact, uh, that effort may be successful down there? Well, the the union that is uh, that is conducting uh, the uh, who, who, which will be representing the workers should mm-hmm. they organize mm-hmm. is the RWDSU, the Retail Wholesale Department Store Clerks Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a deep history in civil rights in Alabama. Uh, its former president uh, was was uh, involved in the civil rights struggle. His life was threatened. He's uh, he is a, a local hero. He, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, but th- this union is is has has a history of protecting people's rights. And the the of the 5,800 workers at the Amazon facility in Bessemer, Alabama, mm-hmm. 80% are African American, and the majority are women. So if I had to make a prediction <laughs> in this month of, uh, of honoring women, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know the, these workers understanding that this this is their time this is their this is their legacy mm-hmm. this is something they can do not just for themselves but for the other millions um, a million uh, amazon workers around the country so it's a big deal and i i think that the workers there understand the importance of their vote it is a secret ballot uh-huh. uh, they're collecting the votes by mail uh, they, it is a paper ballot right so good that, uh, so that they can actually be counted and, and verified, uh, which is something we ought to do, too. And yeah. I know I'm speaking to the choir here. Uh, <laughs> you are. To the preacher. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm both hopeful that it will, uh, that it will result in a, uh, uh, in a union vote, and I think it's likely that it will happen. How, how do Alabamians feel about that? And, and is unionization an effort that could actually win back uh, some of those who— uh, uh, look, Governor, you, you won every statewide office in the state of Alabama, and it was not all that long ago. Uh, also, uh, Democrat Doug Jones won his statewide special election to become U.S. senator just about two years ago or so. Though, of course, in that case, he was running against an accused child molester, so might not be a perfect comparison. But can efforts like this actually revive the Democrats in what is considered to be now a, a deep red state in the so-called solid south it it certainly can help and um you know this is something that that democrats in alabama should be should be supporting i drove out the other day to just to show my face to let them know that i was thinking about them and, Mm -hmm. and, and you know encouraging the workers so um I am hopeful that it will that it will take place, and I believe it will. I think they'll I think they'll vote to organize. Uh, finally, Governor, you you served your time for a crime that you say you never committed. You've written a book about it, stealing our democracy, uh, which, as I noted, is is now out in audio version. I think this week. 
Um, at the time that you were taken down, uh, you had held every statewide office in, in the state of Alabama and as uh, a Democrat who uh, some saw as having presidential ambitions at the time, uh, arguably one of the reasons that uh, Karl Rove and friends wanted to take you down. So um, what now? You've served your time. Do you have any plans or interest in getting back into public life as an elected official or in some other fashion? Because uh, I do hear that uh, former Democrat turned Republican uh, Alabama Senator Richard Shelby's seat is actually opening up in 2022. Do you have any interest in uh, uh, making some news here on the broadcast, Governor, with a comment on that? <laughs> I will comment on it, but I, it probably won't be it won't be newsworthy. But um, <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm, I will always be interested in politics. My career was cut short by Carl Rove and, and his associates, um, but um, I am undeterred in the sense that, um, you know, I, I believe in our, in our democratic process. We've got to work to protect it. We've got to work to get out the votes. I think that we can... Uh, we can make this uh, not only Alabama, but this country, everything that we know it can and should be. But it is up to us, the voters, to make it happen. We've got to elect good people to public office. Uh, we've got to protect Gavin Newsom. And we've got to ensure that we that Biden has the votes to, uh, you know, to, to succeed with his with his agenda. That means we need to get after uh Senator Manchin and and West Virginia and try to straighten him up and give him you know the courage to uh, stay with the program. Okay, well, I did not hear you say you are not considering a run for U.S. Senate then in Alabama, sir. Uh, I, I, I did not. I, you're, you heard right, but <laughs> I, I, you also did not hear me say that I was. So. No, I you didn't. Know, there's something about never say never. So, uh, you know. So that, that's, uh, yeah, that's my comment. I, I heard that never. part. Governor uh, Siegelman says never say never to running for the U.S. Senate. Very interesting, sir. Uh, I will be uh, looking forward to uh, airing your announcement whenever you are ready. <laughs> Don Siegelman can be found on the Twitters at Don Siegelman. You can also find uh, him and his book at StealingOurDemocracy.com. That's uh, his book, Stealing Our Democracy, How the Political Assassination of a Governor Threatens Our Nation. Uh, and, of course, uh, you should know he was Alabama's former governor and uh, the last Democrat. I, I prefer to say the most recent Democrat to serve in that role in Alabama from 1999 to 2003. Governor Siegelman, always an honor to have you here. Uh, let's uh, do it again in, in the future for your big announcement. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Desi. Thanks, Brad. You bet. Good talking with you. Thank you, Governor. All right. We'll take a quick break and we will come back with it. Does look like some of you folks would like to ring in on all of this. If you would, I'd love to open up the phones. 818 985 5735. 818 985 KPFK. There's a lot of other stuff going on uh, today as well that I could talk about, but you know. As always, I'd much rather hear from you. Take a quick break, and we'll be back with your calls and whatever else happens right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. 
We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. To, uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Desi Doyen, you heard... Uh, oh, you're uh, you're on the phone there. You, you heard him say that uh, Don Ziegelman said uh, he would never say never. You well, heard that, right? Then again, he's also a person who knows stuff, who says, you know, hey, never say never is a uh-huh. saying. So okay. I don't know you can really run with that. I'm running with it. <laughs> I'm running with it. I, you know, and I hate to go. I never do. I never go all Chuck Todd on people and force them to say whether they're going to run for this or that. But, you know, I'm just saying this guy got screwed over years ago. He has served his time. He is a good man. He is a good progressive. And what do you know? There's a U.S. Senate seat in Alabama that is wide open. Shelby is out. In 2022, I'm just saying the timing's well, good. That's all. I am I'm glad saying. to hear him say that he will fight for ongoing Democratic principles in Alabama, that he's not out. He's still fighting, and I appreciate that. Our phone number is 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735 if you are in our live listening area today and you would like to jump in with really anything you have on your mind. Happy to talk to you. Let me go to uh, Mike in L.A. Uh, hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Uh, listening to you maneuver Governor Sigelman, uh, I think you could have worked for a Hearst newspaper. <laughs> I, I, it sounds to me like he's running. It sounds like he's definitely in. What, what do you think, Mike? <laughs> yeah, be that as it may, I just wanted to raise the issue that this is uh, fool me once, uh, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me sort of thing for California. Yeah. Because uh, 17 years ago or so, the Republican-affiliated uh, uh, Ken Lay, uh, mm-hmm. who managed to avoid a felony conviction only by dying of a heart attack, yep. subjected California to artificially created rolling blackouts to spike the price of electricity. Yep. Oh, did we? Do we? Do we lose Mike? Oh shoot! I think we lost you, Mike. Is he still there? No, we lost him. Uh, well, anyway, uh, Mike. I agree with you. That's exactly what happened. It was a scam, and that's how they got rid of Gray Davis. And it was only years later. Oh, we have. It was only years later that it became clear exactly what a scam it was. Mike, do we have you back? There. Oh, I think I heard you, Mike. Yeah, I'm back again. Okay. I don't know if you could hear me, uh, but I I agree with you that uh, you're right. That's how they did it the first time. Is it going to be successful this time, Mike? 
I uh, certainly hope not, but on the question of whether there should be a Democratic uh, ca- uh, candidate under the field of candidates on the bottom part of the ballot mm-hmm. question, yeah. given what happened with Proposition 22 recently, uh, I think it would not hurt to have a Democrat down there. And Proposition 22, remind us again? That was... Uh... Oh, shoot. Now we're going to have to leave it with that cliffhanger because Mike phones keeps uh, dropping out. Sorry about that, Mike. Uh, hey, Des, look up, uh, figure out Prop two, 22 for me so at least we don't have to leave that much of a cliffhanger. Proposition 22, tell me what it is. Uh, let me go to, in the meantime, let me turn to John in Mar Vista. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, I uh, just wanted to mention that the uh, that Trump managed to turn the word China into a racial slur. Yep. Remember, he, he, he likes the N-word to him anyway. He doesn't call it the China virus. He calls it the China virus. He just kind of spits the word out, China, yep. like it's like a hairball from a cat. China virus. Yep. And of course, uh, Republicans around the country have picked that up and they are using it. And that dog whistle is being heard loud and clear, unfortunately. And it's coming at a great cost to uh, Asian Americans of Pacific Pacific. Pacific Islanders around the country at this point. Thanks, John. I appreciate the call. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to uh, Susan in Redondo Beach. There we go. Hey, Susan, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, Is this uh, recall effort going to work? I think so. Uh, No, uh, it is going to work in favor of democracy. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, now we lost Susan again. Did we lose Susan again? Yeah, so what's happening, and what's I apologize to everybody, is that what appears to be happening is that when I pick up another call coming in, it's hanging up on the call that's on the air. So we're really? going to try to fix the problem, but uh, yeah, hold on for just a moment. Oops. And we'll, uh, at least we can take uh, Morris, and I'll just not come on while okay, Morris is Okay, well, on. let's. Uh, w- do we have time to get Susan? Su- if issue. Susan dials back, I, I really would want to hear what she has to say. I if she comes in, we'll on. put her right through. Sorry about that. Tech Technical problems here at the station. Of course, as usual, I will be blaming Desi Doyne for this afterwards and will be forced to fire her once again. I do this about once a week, so don't <laughs> don't don't be alarmed. Uh, also, by the way, uh, since you were hanging up on all of our callers, Des, did you get to look up Prop 22 to figure out which one that was? Because yes, I lost Prop track of 22 it. was the one that. Uh, redesignates independent contractors like drivers for Uber and Lyft, Ah. makes them independent contractors rather than employees. And we're starting to see the fallout from that as uh, people are finding out, oh, being treated as an independent contractor is not that great. Anyone who takes democracy for granted, this is the fear. You know, this is the fear that uh, we're going to get to an election. We're going to have a recall election. Democrats are going to say, oh, there's no way Gavin Newsom could lose. Uh, You know, Democrats outnumber uh, Republicans two to one. I'm not even going to bother to vote who, you know, of course he's going to win. That's exactly when Democrats end up losing. And that's what and Republicans know that, which is why they, you know, they love off year elections. They love uh, midterm elections because Democrats just don't show up in the same numbers uh, for those off year elections. They Democrats will turn out every four years, but not every two years, not for special elections, not for 
uh, recall elections, but we will see. Yeah, they're totally banking on the idea of a low turnout election, and they're very happy to wait and make sure that Democratic voters aren't going to show up for this kind of recall election. It's a shame that it's happening, but I hope that the media and the uh, campaign that the Democratic Party is planning to mount for this, hopefully it gets its message out to voters. And by the way, since I got you here, Des, should the Democrats put someone on that list of potential candidates right now they don't want to put anybody on the list it seems like because that gives you know the impression that Newsom is not going to win on question 1 if he loses on question 1 if all the people listed uh for his possible replacements are republicans on question 2 what then well to me what if you put Gavin Newsom on the list of people I, on the be, second list yeah. i don't think that i don't think that's you can allowed. i don't think that's <laughs> well, allowed. okay but it is very clever. Interesting it, Maybe question. it is allowed. Maybe they should try it. All right, let me get in uh, one or two more before we have to get out here. Uh, Michael in Newport. Hey, Michael, welcome to the broadcast. Desi, try not to hang up. You did it. You did it anyway. You are so fired. You were unfired when you came up with Prop 22. So sorry about that. We're not able to pick up any calls. Now you're point. fired again. All right. Well, now we'll have to bring in the big guns. So we will close in that case with our old friend Morris in Long Beach. Sorry I wasn't able to get to everybody else. Because Desi hung up on them. Hey, Mo, uh, welcome to the broadcast, brother. How you doing, my brother? Listen, I still got love from Ms. Dorian. I want to say <laughs> this, though. It was an absolute shame what took place with Don Siegelman, okay? That was the worst theft in American history since 1876 between Tilden and Hayes. But at least Tilden and Hayes, you know, negotiated, right? Mm. These guys just straight up robbed, uh, just denied the people, you know, their choice. A democratically elected official, public, an executive. Yep. Check this out. The judge that was uh, over his case, you remember this, Brad? Mm -hmm. The judge over his case got busted being in a hotel room loaded and drug it. Police had to come out there. And this is the guy that's presiding over a duly elected uh, governor of the state. Mm -hmm. I don't know what country I'm in, but I'm not going to say it's America. Uh, Talk later, Brad. Uh, thanks, Mo. I appreciate it. Yeah, the uh, the uh, the judge in his, sta in, uh, in his case, the, the judge who ordered Siegelman uh, instead of, you know, normally in a case like his, they would he would be released pending appeal. Uh, this judge, uh, Fuller, Andrew Fuller, w um, ordered uh, a Siegelman to be shackled, handcuffed and dragged off to prison as soon as he was found guilty. No, uh, you know, leave him off on his own accord until his uh, case was appealed, as you would normally expect. You know, from a from an actual governor charged with a crime. Uh, no, Judge Fuller uh, sent him straight to jail. And then uh, years later, and you can find this at the broadcast, we've got the 911 call. I think we might have broke it. I can't remember if we had it exclusively at the time or not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Judge Fuller uh, was a wife beater and uh, was actually caught on tape in this 911 call with his wife uh, in Atlanta at a hotel calling the police in tears. Uh, and you can hear what sounds like uh, someone uh, slapping her. Uh, eventually, he was forced to step down. He should have been impeached, uh, but he was uh, allowed to resign, and he never went to jail. He was uh, his, his his he was put off on on good behavior. If if he didn't violate any more crimes for another year or something, he wouldn't have to face trial. He got a good deal. Uh, uh, Susan, Susan, I got ten seconds for you. I'm so sorry about what happened. Hi. Um, I just want to say it's. I think it's a new day in politics, and the same old, same old no longer applies. So we need to have a different 
narrative. And uh, the seven wonderful black women in Georgia proved that. And democracy also isn't um, uh, an, about an election. It's an everyday thing. People need to pick up a phone and call the Congress switchboard. Every day. And insist on Medicare for all and HUD funding. There you go. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate that. Sorry, I got to get out. My thanks to Governor Don Siegelman, to uh, my producer, Desi Doyen, producer for long, we'll see, and my soundboard operator, of course, Federico Garcia, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.